you know, China is, is it's not only a communist party, but you compare them to, to, to uh, Germany and Hitler, but they, have con- they have these, these camps, we call them concentration camps, whatever it is with the Uyghurs. Well, how big of a problem is it in Utah? This is, this is fascinating. So you've got a guy here in Utah named uh, Taween Lee. He's, he's technically not a lobbyist, but he's championed China to religious and political leaders to, in Utah for decades. Lee, a Chinese citizen, moved to Utah in the 1980s and has become a professor of information technology at Weber State University since 1998. Lee converted to 1990 to the Mormon faith. And it goes through in this AP article and talks about all the, all these ways he has pushed you know, and, and lobbied for communist China. Even to the point, this one blew me away. While the ch- I'll just read right from here. While the church has historically been outspoken, an outspoken advocate for religious freedom, Lee sought to stop Utah lawmakers from supporting religious figures or groups discriminated against by the Chinese government. Here we go. When a Utah lawmaker sponsored a resolution in 2021 condemning China's well-documented and brutal crackdown of its minority Muslim Uyghurs, Lee chastised the legislator in a text message and compared unflattering media coverage of the Chinese government to that of the church's founder, Joseph Smith Jr. Here's a quote what he said to this legislator. Pray to God and seek guidance from the Holy Spirit as you ponder about these issues, instead of relying solely on those biased media reports, Lee said. The resolution failed that year, and a similar, and a similar one introduced in January did not receive a hearing. Yeah. I mean, when, when you've got these communist parties infiltrating Utah, these communist spies, which he is, infiltrating our state, joining the church, and then using it, and this is, I guess, one of the things, if it, they've got quote after quote of here, using church ideology and church things, pray to God, to influence our legislators to not call out what they're doing to the Uyghurs. And then again, and, and they're successful. And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And again with my beautiful co-host, Alexia. Top of the evening, baby. How are you? Good to be here. It's always good to have you. It's just not the same without you. Oh, you're too sweet. And you're sporting those great glasses again. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. All right, let's jump into it. Today we got an awesome guest. Uh, We've had him on here several times in the past. Uh, And it's one that every now and then we always try to focus on Utah because... We believe that the biggest impact you can have is your backyard. But there are things internationally that we have to be paying attention to. And uh, when it, when, so when it comes to international, we have an incredible guest. So, Alexio, do you, would you mind introducing uh, our guest? All right. Well, it's great to have you back, David. Thank you David. for having me. Oh, it's always great. You always bring so much uh, light and information on, on what's going on. Not, maybe not near here uh, in Utah locally, but more globally. And that does affect what happens here in Utah. Right. So it's, it's really important. Uh, David is the deputy director of the National Operations EMP Task Force on National and Homeland Security. He's the former U.S. Army uh, HQ staff officer, published national security strategist and military historian, Russia and nuclear weapons expert. And he's also an author, right? That's right. Uh, your book again? Catastrophe Now. Uh-huh. And yeah. we can find that on Amazon? Yep, it's available on Amazon. You can search my name, David, uh, uh, last name spelled P-Y-N-E. And I'm the co-author. Just want to make that clear. I, I'm, um, I wrote the second most part of the book, but it's 
um, you know, I was did it with Cindy Ayers and also the late Peter Pry. Wonderful. And you can subscribe to your Substack, The Real War uh, by David Pine. A lot of great information on there. I actually don't know how you have so much time in the day uh, or brain power to create such great content. The funny thing is I write about 10 times more than I publish. I, wow. I, I'm uh, the king of unfinished projects. I have <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that I've, that I've written that are really cool that, I, that never get published because I, I never bother to finish them. Oh, well, whatever is out there, it's, it's gold. Yeah, yeah and it's sure. honestly, it's a pleasure for our listeners and, and viewers to be able to uh, have you because on, it, he, this is probably one of the uh, best, greatest experts probably in the world when it comes to these international issues that we're going to be getting into today. But Very make kind. sure. Thank you. Yeah, but please make sure you're following us. Uh, if actually, the last show we had together, we did on China and Utah relationships, and uh, we covered the AP article uh, that uh, was titled Amid Strained U.S. Ties, China Finds Unlikely Friend in Utah. And uh, that one YouTube took down right away, which I found interesting because um, apparently we, we must have been over the target there. Wow. So Didn't know that. please uh, make sure you're following us. The best place is Rumble. You yeah. can fi find us on uh, We Are The People UT. Uh, same thing with all of our podcasts. It's We Are The People UT. And uh, Instagram is also We Are The People UT. Only thing that's different is Twitter, which is We Are the UT. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Castle Rock Interior Solutions. Just shout out to them. Thank you for supporting us and helping us be able to produce this show. So without further ado, let's rock and roll. And if, if our viewers and listeners want to support us, uh, you can go on our website. Uh, we have a lot of great merch on there. We have our great new Patriot Powder. Great, great energy drink. Uh, it's not necessarily oh. a pre-workout, but it's a great nootropic for any time during the day. I could definitely use some right now myself, but... Maybe well. we should get you a drink. <laughs> when, how about when David gets talking, we'll get you a little. No, I'm okay. <laughs> I'll put you to sleep if you don't. <laughs> no, you'll get me fired up as well like it. So you've also been working uh, with Vivek Ramswani. Am I saying that right? It's Vivek. Vivek. Yeah, he says Vivek rhymes with cake. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been a big front runner, but you've been advising him with a lot of his foreign policy as well, right? Yeah, I've, I've been advising him on some defense and foreign policy issues. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we need whoever it is that gets in office, we need them surrounded by the right people. So it's good to see some of the potential prospects out there at least surrounding themselves with. He's a great candidate. Yes, absolutely. He seems to be really great. So, you know, David, when you look across the world right now, the international situation, Ukraine, Russia, China, uh, what do you see? What is your biggest concern right now? Let's jump into it. Well, I mean, obviously the war in Ukraine has the ability to um, escalate on a dime. It could escalate horizontally to a full-scale war between the uh, U.S., NATO, and Russia, or it could escalate uh, vertically to the nuclear level, perhaps a massive cyber attack on the U.S., uh, super EMP attack you know, on the U.S. Um, you know, those are three, three main threats that we face today, um, besides uh, super solar storms, which are a naturally occurring threat that could happen um, you know, at any time in the near future as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we kind of live in a glass house, I think, you know, um, and it's, we, you know, President Bush, George W. Bush, before he became president, he talked about the need for a more humble foreign policy. You know, we have a very arrogant foreign policy. Our leaders are filled with hubris. Uh, they try to bully other countries around. Uh, and that's not to say that uh, other countries aren't, aren't bullies or worse. I mean, obviously, communist China, I, I consider the new Nazi Germany. Um, it's a, they're a genocidal terror regime. Um, that said, I think it's important that we find areas of uh, compromise. You know, I don't want to have, I wouldn't say friendly relations with them. I want to have cordial relations with them. But I also want to 
um, have, you know, be a clear eyed realist and realize that we need to, uh, you know, obviously our national interests are diametrically opposed to, to them. But we do need to find a compromise with them on the Taiwan issue because that is really the, the number one uh, global flashpoint uh, that potentially could escalate to a nuclear war, uh, followed closely by Ukraine, of course. So your biggest concern right now is what's going on with Taiwan? Yes. And the potential for it to turn kinetic or even worse, nuclear. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I, I haven't participated in any war games. I haven't uh, since I was on the missile, in the missile defense agency. Uh, we did some, uh, you know, kind of nuclear war games uh, for, with North Korea, uh, North Korean attack on the U.S. Um, but um, the war games I've seen with Taiwan um, are often very ridiculous. I think it was a, a CNAS uh, that did a recent war game for Taiwan, and they actually uh, rigged the game so that uh, nuclear weapons could not be used. So it kind of took, you know, the, people still had that kind of in the back of their minds as they played the China side and the U.S. side. Um, but the idea that you can somehow, you know, rig, you know, rig a war to not go nuclear is, is really ridiculous. I mean, you know, Robert O'Brien, a former Trump national security advisor, he wrote a book that basically said uh, we need to be ready to, we need to build, build up our Navy uh, so we can refight the Battle of Jutland or, or Leyte late Gulf uh, with China. I mean, we're not going to have massive naval battles. It's going to be hypersonic missiles, uh, quickly, you know, maybe EMP tipped, maybe tactical nuclear tipped. And it's going to be a war that's going to, you know, it's going to be, it's extremely intense. Uh, it could be literally one in minutes or days. Uh, if we get, you know, super EMP attack on the U.S. homeland, it could be game over. I mean, China could win in a single day. Would you just really briefly explain what that means and how that might look? Do you see what I made for you? Look at I that. Boom. It. Asking you shall receive. There's her drink. <laughs> so, yes. so a lot of people don't know what an EMP is and, and how, how that would look. But what would, if, if, what, what does that mean if, if China were to release an EMP attack on the, on the states? Yeah. So back in 1963, uh, there was a nuclear test uh, called uh, Starship Prime. And that was done, I don't know if it was Bikini Atoll or one of those Pacific Island groups. Uh, but 900 miles away, it uh, took out the power in Hawaii. So the street lights went out, uh, TVs, you know, electric power. And that's kind of when we, we uh, learned that uh, about EMP effects. And so ever since, you know, since then, we've had uh, a nuclear test ban treaty. Actually, it was in 62. The nuclear best test ban treaty was in 63. And, uh, you know, Russia developed uh, super EMP weapons, which are kind of low yield nuclear weapons that have the you know, a massively enhanced uh, electromagnetic pulse effect. And what EMP does is it, it can, uh, you know, it's really a technological weapon. It can take out, uh, you know, computer networks, internet, communications, uh, electric power, uh, food, you know, obviously trucks and cars. So all that, you know, if anyone's ever seen, um, you know, Red Dawn, uh, the, the second version, you know, it's kind of realistic and kind of unrealistic. You know, the unrealistic part is the, the cars wouldn't work after an EMP attack. Uh, but the power goes out, you know, with that. And Wait, you said it's unrealistic that the cars wouldn't work? Yeah. Because I thought an EMP would take out all the modern cars. No, I said, I said it's unrealistic that they would uh, Oh, that they work. would that, work. That's what I <coughs> Right. Yeah. So an EMP, if it goes off, the lights, anything electronic, anything pre-1980. Yeah, pre-1980. That's right. Pre-1980, basically. Anything since 1980 wouldn't work. Cars, all of our electronics would be functionless. And, if, and, if, and why that's crazy is that basically... Puts us back in the dark ages. Yeah, everything and overnight. 
everything bigger than uh, you know a tablet uh, probably probably would work. Maybe we're not too sure about that. Cell phones would work, but there would be no no coverage, no powers, no internet connection, no way to recharge it. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be at work for a few minutes. So I mean, you, if you, you lose everything. Yeah, I mean computer uh, computer chips are. I mean, people don't realize how how uh, reliant we are on you know semiconductors. I mean, the, uh, I, th I read somewhere that the uh, you know modern cars have about fourteen thousand computer chips in them. Used to be like fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and again, way all back that, in <clears throat> all that fright. Early, early so that's 80s. why when you say China has weapons to, to to put an EMP over the states and and the range of those things could be massive. Yeah. So you're talking whole states without electricity, without power. And and it's not like they just come and just put that back together the next day or the next week or the next month. You could be talking months with no power. And if you think about what that would look like in the summer or the winter, I mean, they're saying the mortality rate would be through the roof. It could be years or it could be permanently. Yeah, it's <clears> it's really <throat> a nation-destroying weapon. It's interesting, too, because is, uh, <clears throat> from a religious perspective, there's talk uh, in Utah about... Um, prophecy about uh, how, you know, when the saints came across the states that they walked and there was prophecy saying that they would walk, go back in the same manner. And I always thought, boy, that would make sense with an EMP because if an EMP, there is no driving, you would be walking back. If you were, you know, walking back to Missouri, that would be the way that would happen. So to me, it's, you know, it's, it's an important thing people should be aware of is what an EMP is. And I think one of the best books out there is uh, One Second After. If you haven't read that book, that's a great book to help you kind of get uh, an idea of what what could happen with the EMP. Yeah, in our book, Catastrophe Now. Mm -hmm. Does uh, that get into it as well? Yeah, how to prevent a, an EMP disaster, or America's last chance to prevent an EMP disaster uh, really goes into that as well in, in great detail. You know, one of the cool things about having David on here is <clears throat> if, if you listen to Alexia reading the bio, he was on the U.S. National EMP Task Force. and Still am. Yeah. Still am. And so one of the key things he realizes, and that everyone in America who is, is cued into what an EMP is, we are absolutely vulnerable to this. And, you know, one of the things that's been absolutely neglectful of our representatives, not just at a federal level, but at a state level, is you've got all of our uh, major enemies who have what's called hardened their grid, which has made them, which has made it so that their grids, if there was an EMP attack, they could still have electricity. Well, for how many years, David, have you been, been begging representatives at the state level and federal level to harden our grid? It's been five years, yeah. And, and, and we cannot get them to move. And at the same time, not only not protecting ourselves, but we've not been investing in keeping up on our, uh, on our nuclear development as well. Absolutely. So we've been completely neglectful. And then one of the things I appreciate about David is he's been out here fighting for this stuff, and yet why aren't our representatives doing this? Well, I mean, um, you know, there's only so much that our state representatives can do that they can certainly pass a grid hardening bill for the Utah grid. Um, you know, that's definitely a, a big miss they haven't done so far. Uh, the rest of the nuclear, you know, the, the, in terms of nuclear weapons and modernization and missile defenses, I mean, that all has to be done it's at, federal. The, at the, the, the federal but level. But still, federally, we've been, we, as a nation, we've completely been neglectful. And we've yeah. allowed Russia and China to outpace us. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's really um, a tremendous uh, betrayal, I think, of, of uh, our U.S. national security and our citizens, you know, to be, because you know a lot of people don't realize it, but General uh, General Hyten, who's the commander of uh, U.S. Northern Command and NORAD, recently stated that um, it's the official U.S. policy not to defend the U.S. against uh, you know Russian and nuclear um, uh, Russian and Chinese Chinese nuclear missiles. So, you know, I mean, could we do it? Could the policy change in a second if we're under attack? Yes, but 
uh, literally, uh, our, the positioning of our very small ABM force is such that it would be very difficult to intercept Chinese and Russian, especially Russian, that we have no capability uh, to defend against Russian nuclear, nuclear uh, missile attack. And, you know, and yet Biden, you know, here he is supporting uh, Ukraine and Zelensky in, in a war against Russia, uh, which keeps crossing their red lines, which any moment could, could uh, escalate to a, a Russian cyber and, and uh, counter space warfare uh, first strike. So we were talking before the show about this, and I want to jump into this. <clears throat> We've obviously one of the things that's, that's uh, everyone's frustrated with right now and, and just in, in heartbreak about is what's happened in Maui. Um, how much money has been sent to Ukraine versus how much money has been sent to Maui, the U.S. citizens? So we've got U.S. citizens that have had their homes. We can talk about what happened. We can talk about the neglect. But let, let's talk about Maui and, and, and versus Ukraine and how, how we've been responding to those two. Tell us your thoughts on that. So the Ukrainian government stated earlier this year that we've either sent or authorized uh, or pledged $196 billion in, in U.S. taxpayer funds to, to Ukraine. $196 Billion. 196 billion. So based just under 200 billion. Uh, of course, we've, uh, you know, Biden promised $700, you know, basically, <laughs> uh, to quote, quote someone on Newsmax, uh, from Maui, uh, just just enough money to pay for a trip to Costco. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how much he's promised on a one time basis. That's not like on a one, that's right. not like 700 a month. And, and one of the things that the Maui period. residents are saying is, is then it's the process to get it is so difficult. They can't even get them that $700. Yeah. It's worthless. And, uh, you know, on a per capita basis, uh, the U S has, has promised or sent, uh, 10 times that much to Ukraine. So, which meaning, uh, you know, wait, wait, say that again, per capita, per capita. So there's 28 million people, uh, in Ukraine right now. Uh, each one of those, you know, if it, they were going to get a check, if our aid was evenly divided, they would get a check for 7,000 uh, versus 700 for, for our own citizens who have suffered immensely in the Maui fire. Yeah, And even though as of like three days ago, it looked like death counts were only, I don't want to say only every death is, is meaningful, but it's around 115, which I can't wrap my head around. There's actually been reports about people actually committing suicide in Maui because it's just, it's, it's not livable. Well, how many are still missing? Many. I don't know the Almost exact Almost a count. thousand. Yeah. Last, last I heard. And then a lot of them are children because of what we were talking about, you know, many of the deficiencies and neglect of, of the government there. But before we get into theories on, on Maui and what happened there, I do have to ask, just because it was my first instinct when Maui happened, could this have been an act of war? So I was actually asked that. Uh, it was on an international uh, video interview I did recently. Um, and I think they asked it in jest. They asked, you know, asked, you know, could it have been an EAP or something like that? Or, or, or really a, a, you know, a directed like energy a space, weapen. Yeah, directed what about energy, energy weapon? weapon? They, do, do, they do have those. I mean, you look at uh, Lockhart. I mean, they've, they've, they've got actually ads, or not ads, but videos showing in about uh, showing those direct energy weapons. Lockheed Martin. Yeah. Is I it mean, Lockheed Martin? Yeah. I, uh, do I think that China has the ability to do that? Uh, yes, most likely they do. Do I think they did it? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't really see a lot of evidence in this instance. I think it's much more likely due to uh, the power companies, you know, having the keeping the power on during the hurricane force winds that, uh, you know, we clearly know that the, uh, at least a few of the fires, perhaps all, all five or six were, were caused by uh, down power, power lines. And that's just neglect. I mean, that's just really people, people's heads, you what know, about some of those videos. What about some of those videos you see where there's like 
one side of the street. What, what, like literally the house burned to the ground, car, the metal, like burnt, like you never seen. And then, and then, and then right next to it, the tree not touched. I mean, well, you see that all over there. I mean, is this manipulation? To to me, something seems weird there. Yeah. That doesn't, you start, and that's why there's, the internet's on fire with, with theories there. And a lot of people are saying direct energy weapons because it's like, how do you have something burned to the ground, literally just torched, and then something right next to it, not even touched. Well, I think, I mean, the, the trees were charred. They didn't all burn. I, I, I can't speak to the details of how the other fires spread or, you know, whether it jumped back and forth or skipped a, a house or two. I mean, I, I have seen pictures of, you know, like maybe the whole area devastated, like one or two houses seemingly, you know, still erect. And then so like a church, totally fine. Yeah. But then again, it's the internet. We live in a day and age where, you know, social media, everything spreads like, no pun intended, wildfire. And we don't really know what to believe and what's propaganda. So Yeah. I mean that's that's so true. I I always say that the first uh you know the first casualty of war is is the truth. Um that is absolutely true. I mean with regards to the war in Ukraine, I mean I, I used to say eighty percent of uh the information we were spoon fed were lies. I think it's net, maybe down to fifty percent now. Um a lot of truth is seeping in. Even even liberal mainstream sources are being uh forced to admit that the, the war in Ukraine is, is, uh, is a, lo- a major loss for, for Ukraine and that it needs to come to a peaceful conclusion. I've obviously written extensively on that since uh, uh, March of last year, and uh, I've been denounced uh, by the Ukrainians as an information terrorist. Uh, Badge uh, of honor. You know, a apologist for, for Putin. Yeah. I'm none of that. You know, I, I, I support the Ukrainians. Uh, I think they're their leader. I think they're very poorly led, and and that uh, you know Biden, Zelensky are responsible uh, for uh, provoking this war, and and not only provoking uh, Putin to invade, but also um, you know re- re- having Zelensky repudiate which what was a really good deal, peace deal back in in March of t- 2022, uh, that Putin was very sincere about uh, withdrawing almost all troops from Ukraine. You know, and we could throw up the meme that that compares what Ukraine looks like right now at the beach club to what Maui looks like in devastation. And at first I thought this was more propaganda, but it's, this is real. This is, is, is that real? When you see the people in the beach clubs at uh, Kiev, it Kiev. is. Yeah. I mean, um, I wouldn't say it's, it's not a full scale war. I mean, uh, Russia has fought, uh, Putin has decided to fight a limited war against Ukraine. It's not, you know, we hear from Biden, it's an existential fight. Uh, it's the choices are either, surrender all of Ukraine to Russia or else, um, you know, or else win, defeat them or else if the Russians take over, then they're going to enslave all the Ukrainians and ex all of Ukraine and then shoot the rest. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. Uh, Putin has been trying to end the war since uh, day two of the war uh, on Russian terms. Uh, those terms right now are essentially a ceasefire because, uh, you know, Russia's uh, obtained all the territory with the exception of Western Donetsk which I think that Putin would be willing to, um, you know, give up that claim uh, in exchange for uh, Ukrainian neutrality outside of NATO and uh, a recognition of at least de facto continued Russian control of the annexed territories. And that, that only constitutes like 12% of, of Ukraine's uh, pre-war controlled territory. So they would get to keep 80, 88% of their pre-war controlled territory they controlled on February 23rd of uh, 2022. We could give them a security guarantee uh, so that if uh, Russia ever attacked them again, we would provide massive military assistance. Probably not troops, but massive, just like we're doing right now. And uh, I, I can almost guarantee that Russia would never bother them again. So what's the motive? Why are we pumping $196 billion, billion. 
dollars in, into Ukraine? Why are we trying to keep this? What, what's what's the motive? What's you know, we can only here? theorize because there's no logical national interest rationale to do that. Um, I think that uh, you know, I, I like to say that that Biden and the and the neoconservatives and the Atlanticist neoliberals that in his administration are trying to you know teach Russia a lesson, essentially that uh, the U.S. is the only one that gets to invade other countries unprovoked or illegal invasions. Uh, when other countries do it, you know, when we do it, we, we try to get a lot of international support and justify it. Uh, when when uh, other countries like Russia do it, then, you know, they're, they're suddenly a new Hitler trying to change the borders of Europe. I mean, we did that with Kosovo. You know, we fought a war against, uh, against Yugoslavia, uh, now Serbia, uh, back in 1999 that ended up changing the borders of Europe. Uh, was it as massive a war as this one? No, it wasn't as, as big, but... You know, a lot of but the, how big would things, this be if we weren't pumping 196 billion dollars? If we weren't interfering, so that probably wouldn't be that big. Yeah, I mean, am that's I right? Really, that's really the key: is that uh, Ukraine would never. I mean, they would have just negotiated peace. The war would have been over within six weeks. Uh, Russian troops would have withdrawn, except for the Donbas region, which would have been 6.4 percent of their pre-war controlled territory. Uh, they wouldn't have 150,000 Ukrainians would still be alive today. And uh, their uh, economy would have been totally rebuilt. So, and and how much? Where do we know? What where does this money is? What accountability is there for one hundred ninety six billion dollars? There's no accountability. So, so we that, have no idea where that money is being used. Uh, well, we know that that Zelensky and his cohorts have uh, embezzled four hundred million, at least four hundred million that we know of of uh, U.S. foreign aid. So they've enriched themselves. I mean, you've seen pictures on the internet of the daughters of uh, rich Ukrainian government officials. You know. Um, on uh, large large boats or yachts, you know, in San Francisco and whatnot. Uh, so, and they, of course, they bought like uh, um, uh, mansions and whatnot on the beach in Italy and, and Florida. Meanwhile, so, we can't afford to take care of our borders. Right. We can't afford to, we, you know, you got we, the border We can crisis. afford to do all that, but we're spending 21 billion a year on, uh, you know, border security and we're spending, uh, you know, what, 10 times that on Ukraine? Nine times, I guess. How many of our, uh, lawmakers are speaking out against this so i mean there uh, still Seems we have pretty small it's hard to believe but we still have a majority of republican uh, members of congress that are supportive of continued assistance to ukraine even though 71 percent the latest cnn poll shows that 71 percent of republicans now oppose any additional financial assistance to ukraine even humanitarian so 55 uh, percent of americans oppose any additional assistance and 71 percent of republicans and yet, you, if you watch the debates, like the presidential debates, there were six of those candidates were all on board with sending all of our weapons to Ukraine, all of our money to Ukraine. And we had two candidates, one really that spoke out, and DeSantis was kind of trying to hedge his bets a little yeah, bit. Yeah, DeSantis was kind of disappointing there, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, because, you know, he you had, know, He was kind of like trying to play the political game. I, I was very disappointed in him. He has spoken out, you know, that he doesn't think it, um, that we should be fighting a war in Ukraine. We shouldn't be supporting them. Um, so he did kind of hedge. He said, he said, I would oppose any additional uh, uh, aid to Ukraine in, um, in, unless our European allies stepped up. Because it's, you know, it's, uh, if, if there's any argument that it affects anyone's security, it's theirs. It doesn't affect ours. I mean, all of you, I hate to say it, but all of Ukraine could be annexed by Russia tomorrow and it wouldn't affect us at all. I don't think it would affect um, NATO security myself. Uh, but of course, that's not on the table. I mean, uh, the most of Ukraine that, that, uh, Russia would want is about 20%. They currently have 18%. So it's not an existential threat. Um, Ukraine has been the biggest loser of the war. They've lost 36% of their population. The Most, people. The people. Not the government. 
Yeah, you well actually I yeah, you're right. The Ukrainian the government, government has, has yeah. gotten enriched themselves not all only, the, at the people's expense, which is again it's, it's just frustrating. You look what's going on in, again going back to Maui because right now to me that's so relevant. Yeah, not only that, but Zelensky is actually trying to blackmail us uh, to uh, he said he said he won't have any democratic elections unless we give him another 5 billion dollars. So he's basically saying, hey, I'm going to be a dictator as long as I want to be until you, you give me the money that I want. And, of course, what's he going to do with that money? He's, he's probably going to embezzle another hundred, couple hundred million. Do you know more. where our, our Utah uh, reps stand on Ukraine? Well, I can tell you where some of the candidates. I mean, um, I, I've been pretty happy with, uh, you know, Trent, uh, Trent Staggs, Mayor Staggs, of course, running for U.S. Senate. He's very strong in opposing any additional uh, aid to Ukraine. Senator Mike Lee has been the biggest champion in the Senate, even more than Rand Paul. I mean, I think they're the same, but he's more vocal. He's really been the leader. He's, he's uh, you know, written a letter, I think, to the president, uh, you know, to uh, give us a victory plan, you know, no additional aid until you account for the money. Um, you know, why are we risking World War III? I mean, Biden that. hasn't given us any rationale for any of that. Um, others, I think, you know, Chris Stewart has, has kind of been more hedgy. You know, he's talked about, well, at some point we need to do what's right for America. But until then, let's keep screen America over. I mean, I'm not I don't want to pick on Chris, Chris Stewart. He's he's a, you know, he's a stepped down now. Former, he's stepping down later this just, I think, next week or the week after. Um, I like him personally. Um, he's got a mixed record on national security. But uh, in Ukraine, has been he's been pretty wrong. And, and not just him, every single member of, of the House delegation. And, and of course, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is been the biggest disgrace of all oh, you, so that's nice. a surprise he actually made a statement if you can believe this he, he essentially said um you know why should we spend any money on on our national defense if we don't give any money to ukraine so essentially you know that's what i really hate there's this um you know there's a this you know comparison that uh ukrainian national security is is our national security yeah there's no relation not only is there no relation but Zelensky is actually trying to start World War III with Russia that would go nuclear, that could destroy the, you know, the U.S. and its allies. And, um, you know, so his, his, uh, his goals and, you know, what he considers Ukraine's national security interests are completely inimical and oppositional to our own. Yeah, Mitz, he's one that's obviously got to go. I, th I think he's, there's a good chance where he'll be done. I would like to see Celeste Malloy as, as uh, Chris Stewart's likely replacement We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty much a oh, sure thing now. It's you would sure like thing. to yeah. you would yeah. like to see her? No, no, I would like to see her take, take a, a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. Um, a stronger yeah. stance than than Chris would. But I haven't seen much from her in terms of the more conservative alignment. But so she yes. actually, um, I actually um, attended an event, actually sponsored, hosted an event, which she attended, and what she said about Ukraine, I thought was really good, and and I. You know, we don't know, you know, politicians often say the right thing. They get elected, they go to Washington, and they kind of abandon it and be Are like... Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, what? You know, but she, she said uh, four different things. She said uh, that were uh, criteria, including accountability of, of uh, Ukrainian assistance before she'd, she'd be willing to get uh, approve of any more uh, aid to Ukraine. And then she said, and even if even then, maybe I wouldn't support it. Now, I don't believe that. You know, I think if she, if they met two to four of her criteria, she'd, she'd give more. But uh, the chances of that cr those criteria being met by the Biden administration are near zero. So I'm going to hold her accountable. Yeah. You know, she basically said she would oppose uh, 
propose any additional aid to Ukraine. Well, let's, we're going to watch this. We're, 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 we're going to watch and, and, we'll our, and, our, and our viewers and listeners, if you're in CD2. You know. she, so she's basically promised not to vote for any more additional money to them. Essentially. Essentially. And I, and well, I uh, was really happy right. to hear that. All right, Celeste, let's see what she Great. does. I'd like to see that. So going into the latest news right now, I saw something you had posted. I think this was just from earlier today, actually, about Elon Musk. Did Elon Musk prevent a Russia-Ukraine nuclear war? I think I think he likely did. So uh, many many uh, of, of your viewers undoubtedly are aware that uh, you know Starlink Elon Musk has been helping the Ukrainian war effort from from day one. Um, you know the Russians took down a lot of their satellite signals. They have really powerful uh, land-based jammers, GPS jammers, positional jammers, um, and uh, you know. Uh, Elon Musk stepped in and, and restored uh, Ukraine's satellite access. I mean, the war would have been over really, you know, without his assistance. Um, and then, um, you know, he essentially found out the Ukrainians asked him to expand um, the um, co satellite coverage to Crimea, which is part of Russia. I mean, whether we admit it or not, it's been part of Russia since 2014. And they voted overwhelmingly to become part of Russia because they're 75% Russian. Um, and uh, he said no. So they launched, I think they launched an attack, a drone attack, and they were trying to sink most of the, you know, much or most of the Russian Black, uh, Black Sea Fleet. And this was probably last fall. Um, and uh, he, he, uh, he denied it. And he found out the Russians told him, um, he actually asked the Russians like how they would respond. And they said 100% nuclear, guaranteed nuclear response to Ukraine. So, um, I've, I've been uh, speculating that the Russians, you know, kind of have a plan B or a plan C, I guess, uh, to uh, not nuke Ukraine or Kiev, uh, the Ukrainian capital, but essentially to do kind of a super EMP above, above Kiev that would shut out all their, all their power and, and, you know, really make them suffer, but not kill them directly. And, you know, if they could, could have very possibly have done that. And how many Ukrainians would have died from that? Uh, you know, tens of thousands of civilians, you know, that, uh, uh, Russia has not has been trying not to kill, but we piss them, you know, people piss them off enough. Uh, Putin might go uh, a little little nuts, you know. I mean, so far he's been really rational and and uh, really restrained, but uh, I think I don't think we can count on that. Count on his patience being, uh, you know, continuing much longer. So I see our greatest threat um, is China. I, I really feel like China is the greatest threat to America, and I think they're they're they've been the most aggressively going, you know, moving towards taking America down. Um, how do you think uh, China would like to see things play out? Well, I mean, back you know, we're coming up on the anniversary of nine one one here on Monday. Um, I, I read read accounts that uh, the president of China at the time, um, uh, you know, watch watch the the Twin Towers falling down, being blown, blown away over and over again and just laughed. I mean, they want to take us down a peg. You know, it's really we're they want to be the hegemon of of East Asia, of course. And I, I think they kind of already are. You know, we really haven't admitted that. Obviously, we have a, a limited military presence there, but we really can't challenge them uh, conventionally and actually not even nuclear wise, at least at a theater level. Um, but, uh, you know, they they. Uh, they want us out of their neck of the woods. Uh, they want to be the global economic power, uh, global uh, hegemon, and uh, we stand in their way. So, um, you know, unless we find compromise with them, uh, you know, war is likely, and especially over Taiwan, as, as we discussed. And I'm actually writing a piece in my real war newsletter at dpyne.substack.com 
probably publish, publish it later today or tomorrow. Uh, and essentially, it's a, it's a Taiwan uh, peace plan. It kind of meets the Chinese halfway. And I think I'll, I'll probably get attacked a lot over that. But I, I'd rather save America, you know, and, and preserve Taiwanese freedoms. Uh, but do you think, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, I want to preserve Taiwanese freedoms while, you know, trying to accommodate uh, the Chinese um, on, on that level, because they've de essentially declared it's a nuclear red line. And we don't want to, we don't want to get into a nuclear war with the U.S. I mean, if with there's China. anything we should, yeah, with, with China, if there's anything we can agree on, it ought to be, uh, you know, to avoid nuclear wars with Russia and China. Okay, but do you really think we can appease our way out of war with China? Because uh, it, it, it feels to me, not that feels, China is, is clearly, they're not, they have, they, they, they have every ambition to take us down. Yeah. Do you really think we can stop them from doing that? I do. Or, or, so, or stop them from attempting to. So I have a grant strategy that I published back in August, and it's, uh, it's a, grant, a new, new uh, grant strategy to uh, counter uh, China's rise to, to you know, global hegemony uh, that I published on the Real War Newsletter, and I, I just updated it uh, a few months ago. So I've got uh, all the latest information, all my latest strategy is in there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a tough strategy. It's essentially a strategy of completely economically de uh, decoupling the United States from China, Chinese economy. Uh, so it almost be, I think of it as an economic war. We wage economic war against China, but we don't wage military war with, with them. We avoid conflict over Taiwan. Um, we we uh, mediate uh, kind of a compromise solution, which Taiwan really, you know, become, you know, remains free. They have, they have self-rule. They're not part of China technically, but there's, they're part of a, a confederation with China, much like the EU. Uh, it's kind of, I call it an EU solution. And it's, uh, you know, probably don't have the time to, to discuss it in full, but uh, that's essentially what it is. It's a confederation. Um, we would, uh, you know, accept Chinese, uh, uh, you know, kind of a sphere of influence over, over Taiwan and, and part of the South Chin, South China Sea, not all of it, not the nine dash or ten dash line. And in exchange, they would uh, withdraw uh, their troops, ununiformed troops from the the Panama uh, Canal ports. So we would restore our control of the Panama Canal. They withdraw their spy base from Cuba, cut off all military assistance to Nicaragua, Cuba, and Venezuela. And so we would it would essentially be a sphere of influence agreement on a limited scale, where we would uh, establish greater control of our, uh, you know our continent that we live in, North America, and they would uh, get a little more, bit more control of, of East Asia. So I, I think that that's an America first national security strategy that, that, you know, a lot of people ought to be able to support. Well, I think Trump was very good. And I'm with you. I think if we're going to do it, you have to. That's how we defeated China in the arms race. We bankrupted them. And, and the reason... And, Soviet Union. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. The Soviet Union. And, and at the time, again, we've talked about this. China was a third world country. The only reason China is the wolf now trying to take down the current wolf on the hill is because we've fed that wolf. That's we've, right. We've, we've financially fed that wolf and, and given it the power to do that. Um, how do you, and, and Trump came and said, you know, and Trump, and that was one of the things that, because I always have a very, we, can't, we it is our job to always question our leadership. I don't care who it is, president, you know, representative, state, federal, our job is to question our leaders, because our founding fathers taught that all men are our leader, that power is dangerous. And so I always had a very questioning eye on Trump. And one of the things that I really liked about Trump was the way he was a hawk on China, because 
Bush, every single one of our of our presidents in the past has just fed the money train, fed, 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 fed China and helped it grow. Trump was the first one who came and he started putting the tariffs. Well, how do you stop? What do you do when you've got the federal government like Trump coming in saying, we're going to turn off the money train to, to China, but then you've got this China going in and infiltrating the states, which has been their current strategy saying, hey, if, if the federal government's going to shut us down, we're going to infiltrate the states and work at the state level. And then you've got state reps who are, you know, in Utah, we know is one of the states that has been the most infiltrated by China and working with them. And you have state reps who uh, criticize what Trump's, Trump's right here. You've got um, a prominent, at the time, Hughes, who was a prominent opponent in Utah of the Trump administration. He was one of the, excuse me, he was a prominent opponent of the Trump administration's trade tariffs on Chinese imports. Uh, Hughes had take a stance, taken a stance against this tariffs in, in, in a 2018 interview with the CCP's Global Times propaganda outlet said, Utah is not like Washington, D.C. Utah is a friend of China, an old friend with a long history. You know, wh wh what are your thoughts though? Like, so how do we nationally do that when, and then you come and you, and you've, if you start to read about Stuart Adams, you read about, um, you know, Todd Weiler, uh, Jake Andreg, all of our state reps who are, what is it, doing trips every other year. We're sending, doing these trips to China at the state level. So how do you do that? Like, if you say, okay, at a federal level, we're going to say no. But at the state level, you've got this, these um, China infiltrating our states. How, how do you fight back? How, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you have to, you have to change the laws. I mean, um, that's really the key. You know, I, I, a lot of Democrats and liberals always say, well, government's the solution to every problem. Well, in this solution, it is the solution. In this situation, it is the solution in the sense that uh, you increase the tariffs against China, you ban PLA and, and uh, People Arms Police-owned businesses from doing business in the U.S. Um, you, uh, you know, ban U.S. high-tech manufacturing firms from doing business in China. Um, there's so many things we can do. Ban them from own, owning farmland. I mean, China owns uh, reportedly 70% 70, 70 of agricultural product, food production in, in Utah. See, and, and there are things we can do at a state level. There you go, right? How, how much land do they own in Utah? And how about those pig farms? We can ban that. We can, we can force them to, I mean, the state level, you can force uh, another country to, to uh, sell all, all of their, their lands, you know, uh, strategic, even, you know, businesses. I think you can fight back against Chinese businesses uh, at a state level as well. And, and many states are fighting back. Utah hasn't done anything really that I'm aware of. No, you, Utah point. has been uh, in bed, in, in bed with China is, I mean, more than any other state. I mean, right here, I mean, um, Utah is an important foothold. This was from a mid strain. This is from the AP article. Uh, it says Utah is an important foothold. Uh, this is by uh, re retired uh, Frank Montoya, who's a retired FBI uh, counterintelligence agent. And he says Utah is an important foothold to China. He says if they can succeed in, U in Salt Lake City, they can also make it in New York or anywhere else. So they see Utah as if we can win Utah, we have, I mean, we ha we have the country. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, obviously, uh, it was uh, Bill Clinton and George uh, W. Bush that signed off on the World Trade Organization uh, ascension, and Gingrich that spearheaded uh, that in, in the House of Representatives. He was, he was speaker when um, a lot of that conversation was going on, uh, along with uh, Denny Hastert. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, we need to elect leaders who, uh, who are Bush Republicans. You know, we have Bush Republican and Mitt Romney, 
uh, Bush Republicans on China, perhaps in the House as well. Well, uh, but part of the problem, and is I call them America last Republicans. Yeah, people don't understand that a Bush Republican is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. We have right. people probably a lot in this state that still think the Bush was a great president. He was an awful president. He was the worst president on national security we've had. I mean, I can't even. I, I don't even know who's. I mean, since Biden, other than Biden, I think Bush Bush was the worst. Yeah, Bush is really both Bushes. Yeah, we're, Bush, we're, Bush we're, Jr. We're Bush Senior got rid of forty uh, percent of our nukes. Uh, his son got rid of fifty percent. So, yeah, yeah. Plus the war on terror, which was completely unnecessary and avertable. And I just need to make a disclaimer because you know we're we're citing a lot of of articles right now, and and of course with with David we like to talk broad scope what's happening globally. But when we speak about these things and about our reps in particular, this is not to implicate. This is simply to ask questions about what's going on and why and what we can do to change it and also help our viewers become more engaged with their representatives because there's so much we don't know. There is so much that goes on. You know, we were just on the phone with, you know, admins in, in local elections office and things like that. And they're very helpful people. And it's very hard to actually imagine the corruption on this state from a superficial level. So if nothing else, I hope these shows open your eyes, not to the, the landscape globally, but also what's going on in the state of Utah, because it's important to ask questions. It's important to raise ideas. And, and as we yeah, get uh, the heat for this stuff, because we've had shows where we've called out reps and in response, we've had hit pieces. Oh right yeah. We're us. getting hit pieces on us for, for particularly for Greg Hughes, for calling out Greg Hughes. And, and, and we necessarily and like, didn't call out. We specifically raised questions and that's not to say we think so-and-so is bad or so-and-so is good. It's simply asking the questions did this happen? Is this true? Invite the question, and then also ask the questions of our viewers and listeners. When, so you can when we are engaged. afraid to question our reps or to call them out because they're on our side, we're in dangerous territory. And the fact of the matter is, every rep is, is no rep is beyond questioning, beyond, is beyond being, a, we just trust them at blind faith. Yep. And that's one of the dangers of running because power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. And actually, it's an interesting thing because we got a lot of heat over over calling out one of the reps here. And literally, we got hit pieces put out on us um, and people furious. How dare you question him? Well, I can give you 10 reasons why I question him, and I'd like 10 answers. Yeah. And and anyway, that's, it's, it's sad when I think that's kind of a Utah thing is we want to throw rocks at the Democrats. And if it's a Republican, he can do no wrong. But, you know, this is one of the, one of the problems with, with China, though, and, uh, and Utah. So... You know, China is, is, it's not only a communist party, but you compare them to, to, to uh, Germany and Hitler, they have, they have these, these camps, you want to call them concentration camps, whatever it is with the Uyghurs. Well, how big of a problem is it in Utah? This is, this is fascinating. So you've got a guy here in Utah named uh, Taween Lee. Are you familiar with the name? I believe so, yeah. Okay. And um, he is, he's, he's technically not a lobbyist, but he is, uh, I've got to read a little about him because it's, because it's crazy. So he is, he is championed, um, he has championed China to religious and political leaders in Utah for decades. Lee, a Chinese citizen, moved to Utah in the 1980s and has become a professor of information technology at Weber State University since 1998. Lee converted to 1990 to the Mormon faith. And it goes through in this AP article and talks about all, the, all these ways he has pushed for, you know, and, and lobbied for communist China. Even to the point, this one blew me away. Um, so, while the ch I'll just read right from here. While the church has historically been outspoken 
an outspoken advocate for religious freedom, Lee sought to stop Utah lawmakers from supporting religious figures or groups discriminated against by the Chinese government. Here we go. When a Utah lawmaker sponsored a resolution in 2021 condemning China's well-documented and brutal crackdown of its minority Muslim Uyghurs, Lee chastised the legislator in a text message and compared unflattering media coverage of the Chinese government to that of the church's founder, Joseph Smith Jr. Here's a quote what he said to this legislator. Pray to God and seek guidance from the Holy Spirit as you ponder about these issues instead of relying solely on those biased media reports, Lee said. The resolution failed that year and a similar, and a similar one introduced in January did not receive a hearing. Yeah. I mean, when, when you've got these communist parties infiltrating Utah, these communist spies, which he is, infiltrating our state, joining the church, and then using it, and this is, I guess, one of the things, if it, they've got quote after quote of here, using church um, ideology and church things, pray to God, to influence our legislators to not call out what they're doing to the Uyghurs. And then again, and, and they're successful. Yeah, so the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I mean, they've been one of the greatest advocates against communism. You know, I mean, Ezra Taft Benson was oh, the he was a consummate arc anti-communist. Uh, we've been told that communism is, is uh, really the, it's Satan's plan, essentially. And obviously, uh, the genocide goes right along with, uh, with Satan's plan. Um, so obviously, you know, he's, he isn't a, obviously a Chinese intelligence agent, not a, I, I would really, I mean, I hate to cast dispersion on someone's faith, but I think the chances that he's a genuine, faithful Christian church member, um, are about zero. Yeah. Zero. I mean, you, I mean, and I'm telling our readers, you got to read this stuff to, to try to, uh, you know, for a Chinese influence operation, uh, as you mentioned, um, in the state of Utah and, you know, there's so many state legislators. I think I think uh, they're well-meaning, but they've really been, uh, you know, serving as useful idiots. I, I'm not saying that that's the case with Greg Hughes. I think Greg Hughes had a legitimate belief that uh, you know trade with China could open things up. You know, that's what we were told for decades, and and the Republic, the you know the Bush Republican Party, they like to call them champion that pre-Trump. But uh, when you but, you've, uh, but you when know, you've got the the leader of the Chinese Party laughing when we hit the twin towers. When, and, and watching over laughing. And then our representatives th th focus on helping fund that wolf, helping grow that wolf that's laughing to take us down. To me, it w and if it's just ignorance, get them out of office anyways. Yeah. You can't have people in there who, are, who do not understand who China is and what their objectives are and are, and are the key state, the key state, the, the state that, that China has a bigger foothold in than any other state. That's, that's why when we talk, we talk about winning your backyard, Utah matters. And again, it's, it's not just, you know, Greg Hughes. I mean, I mean the, the, as far as according to this article, I mean, uh, Jake Andreg is, is like, was up at the top and you've got. Eventually he's gone. You want to run yeah. and replace him? Yeah. No, I'm not. And this is why I don't want to run. You know why I don't want to run? Because look, what is our motive right now? It's, it is to clean up the state. But the minute you run for office and it was everyone's motives, oh, his motive is for power. You know, I feel like you can do more just waking people up. So I, I hope we can get a good person run for against Andrew or in that in his place because and if you are a good person, your motives are to do what's right. Please, District Twenty Two. Yeah. yeah, please run. We need someone who will stand up because especially in our Senate, we have very few senators who will that will stand up to this stuff. But I mean, as far as calling people out, I mean, how about uh, Kurt Bramble was probably one of the one of the biggest players. I mean, these guys are, are, in fact, dozens of times he's been on these tours 
And I mean, Kurt Bramble told Courthouse News last year that his role as a part-time legislator and as a business consultant sometimes overlap. And he had clients in China a dozen at times, some of them on legislator tours and some on consulting. I mean, you've got so much corruption yeah, here in so the state. Corrupt. I wonder that's, how, that's a huge conflict of interest. I wonder how much of Andreg's resignment played into potentially, to some extent, the exposing of his China ties, which we know have been long-reaching. This is not just a recent. No. Thing. Well, and he might be cashing in. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of state legislators. Uh, you know, they they often do a lot of good. You know, sometimes not so much in Andrew's case. But then they they retire to some lush two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand plus job. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the case with Andrew. I don't know what his what his plans are, but uh, I'd like to think that they're not connected with some kind of you know Chinese lobbying firm. Yeah. You know, and the problem is we don't get the regular news doing this. You will not get the regular news, at least in Utah, going after and digging in and, and calling these people out. And and, uh, and, the, and the reason that this stuff happens and that China, that Utah is become, according to uh, some of these articles, the second most corrupt state in the country is because nobody is because there is no checks. There is no Democratic Party calling them out. There is a one uniparty and no label and, okay. and, and and everyone just blindly trusts because they're Republican. They're good. And then if someone like us gets and calls people out, well, According to even conservatives, we're just being mean and calling people out and being bullies. And we're potentially compromised. And well, what yes, is we're compromised for, <laughs> for questioning these people. How but, dare you question my my representative? Unfortunately, <laughs> I think we have a lot of uh, Republicans that would be de Democrats in a in a, a swing state, but because it's yes. a red state, they feel they have to run as a you know quote unquote centrist Republican. I and mean. They even call themselves conservatives. I mean, John yes. Curtis, I mean, Amy yeah. Winter Newton. John well, Curtis was a registered Democrat. He was a Democrat. Was the leader in, in Utah County of the Democratic Party, and right. all of a sudden he was the vice chair of the county vice party. chair. And when yeah. does he? And and conveniently, when the seat opens up to run for Congress, he says, "I'm now a Republican." Well, I think and Utah it, says, "Oh, he's a Republican. Put him in office." I think he flipped <laughs> before he ran for for uh, for mayor of Provo. I could be wrong, but you, you're absolutely right. You know, he, he obviously his party switch was not. Uh, based on conviction, it was based on convenience and political convenience. Expediency, in order to, power. Expediency. I mean, that's the thing. These guys love power. Well, let's right. let's pivot for a second because we know that there's influence. We were talking about that briefly about the the, the Chinese uh, influence into the states, and we obviously have touched on the political aspects, but there are really strong cultural aspects. And for some of our viewers who are or are more just trying to get a grasp of what this looks like, um, there were several articles in the in the Daily Caller exposing some of these. Uh, what did they call them? Spy centers. Spy centers. Uh, these possible CCP outposts in, in seven states. And what did that look like here in Utah? Well, well, let's let's talk about that real quick. So, what is that? There's basically seven. They've identified seven spy centers, right, in America that uh, China has been using to infiltrate the country. Right. And one of those happens to be here in surprise, Salt Lake. Surprise, surprise. But it's not like you have this secret police station like what they found in New York. It's under the guise of being like a cultural center. You know, it's just somewhere that, you know, foreign nationals can go to to influence essentially operations. So what does this look like in your community? It's probably something you walk past all the time that maybe looks pretty benign, that looks just like a Chinese cultural center. Yeah, they're very they're very sly. And uh, obviously, you know, the Confucius Institute was uh, has been a huge propaganda arm of, of China in the uh, universities mm -hmm. and uh I think we're, we're starting to fight back on that. I think that maybe there's that's maybe the only thing that Utah has done is to try to, you know, get try to reduce that or get rid of that. Um, you know, even Chinese language uh, classes. I mean, programs. they they 
tend to be run by uh, you know loyal Chinese nationals or propagandists right. that are pro-China. And meanwhile, real, in, those in, are real apologists. You know, people accuse me of being a Putin apologist. I mean, those are Chinese <laughs> apologists. Oh, no, Chinese they are communist infiltrators. Yeah. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, in Missouri, you have the attorney general there who is launching an investigation into these so-called service centers uh, in a state that's operated by the CCP. Um, but what are we doing here in Utah? What is our AG or what are politicians doing to, to stop right. these Right, and here's my question. Centers? And here's my question. So let's say you have some these reps. And go, okay, we called out, you know, we've named several. I'm not going to name them again. Okay, so, so let's say you've made, you're, you're, not, you're not guilty. Why aren't they calling out this stuff? If, you, if you have a political, if, if you're one of these politicians who we've named and you're really guilt, not guilty, why aren't you calling out these spies? Why aren't you calling out, why is it the AP? Why is it us calling it out? If, if you're a good guy and you have no, and your hands are clean or you recognize there's a problem with China and you see that China has infiltrated Utah and you have a little bit more insight than we have, why aren't you calling this stuff out? Why is it us? I think it would cast them in a bad light. They don't, they don't want the attention. They know that they've, uh, what they've done is, has been exposed as, as wrong or, or useful idiot status. And uh, they, they don't want to, cast dispersions on their own political legacy. Here it talks about the spy stuff, and it says it's not just politicians. It says it's it's these citizens that are that are infiltrating Utah, these Absolutely. Chinese citizens. So it says, in January, former graduate student Xi Chakun was sentenced to eight years in prison on charges related to spying for China. The Chicago student told an undercover agent he'd been tasked by his spy handlers to meet people, some American friends. He was baptized as a Latter-day Saint uh, into the Latter-day Saint Church and, to, and told the undercover agent he'd been uh, going to Utah more often lately. Um, and then it goes on and talks about <laughs> you know, some of the espionage he's been involved in. But it's like, it's crazy because they're using the church. Yeah. They're yeah, using the church. They're ba getting baptized in the church, claiming to be members of the church. These are, these are, these are convicted spies. And then, and then trying to infiltrate our culture. Yeah, it's, 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 it's maddening, and we need to be on guard against it, and we need to get our legislators to, to start doing something about it. So we have these overseas Chinese service centers, which are OCSCs, uh, the seven ones that we, we've discussed in that article. And, for example, in Missouri, it's hosted by the Chinese Education and Cultural Center in St. Louis. Um, so this sounds pretty, pretty what's wrong with the education and cultural center? What's wrong with these immersion programs? And I think most of the time probably there isn't. But that's like many of these politicians. What's wrong with X, Y, and Z person? They've done all these great things. But I think that is the most nefarious thing is they're going under the guise of education and culture, doing all these great things. But it's that little bit that's, that's really the sinister nature underneath it all that is masked under the, the good. Well, and to me, this is why, why are we talking about Utah? Why, why, because I asked you a question. I said, can, can we defeat China? The wolf on the hill is, is laughing at 9-11. He he, they are seeking to destroy us. I said, can we, can we stop this wolf? And your answer was right. How do we stop him? You have to stop him economically. Right. We, have to, we have to stop sending them money. The problem is you've got here in Utah these reps that are saying right out of their own mouths, Utah is not like <clears throat> Washington, D.C. Um, you know, Utah is a friend uh, with China with a long history. Uh, the same rep said that the trips to China have made me bullish about the country, about uh, the, the country and the prospects of improving trade. 
what we are doing in Utah is, is giving, putting fuel in the tanks of our enemy, giving, putting ammunition in their guns to take us down. That's my big concern. Yeah, I mean, U.S. policy has essentially been to, uh, you know, give give China trillions of dollars in unilateral free trade money to, to build them up in the best uh, nuclear superpower enemy that U.S. money can buy, trade surplus money can buy. And it's not only that, it's not just the, the trade. Um, there's been a $1.3 trillion worth of U.S. Uh, pension funds that are invested in Chinese companies, like that don't abide by U.S. laws. Um, they're all... Most of them are, are, you know, Chinese army owned, you know, PLA owned or, or PAP owned. And, uh, you know, so that that funds their, uh, you know, their military buildup and their repression, their concentration camps with two to tw uh, 21 million estimated uh, Lao Gai um, death camp inmates, a lot of them Christian, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, religious and ethnic minorities and political, uh, you know, dissonance as well. And, uh, and then we have about 165 billion that we give them in subsidies uh, through, the, through various US agent, government agencies. So, I mean, imagine doing that for Nazi Germany. You know, when I, when I relate uh, communist China to Nazi Germany, they've actually killed, if you count forced abortions and infanticides, they've killed 75 million times more than Hitler did in wow. terms of China. civilians or, you know, non-combatants. See, and here's the problem. And we've just read examples of that. If one of our, if we have someone who tries to speak out against it, these in, these people who have infiltrated the state of Utah will shut the vat down through our media, through our reps, and so f from the lay person, there's no problems in China. Why? Yeah. Because if one of our reps tries to form, just like we read, tries to form, you know, in, instead of what are we doing? We got Andreg. Um, what was it? Andreg did he? Um, was it a solidarity resolution? So yes. Communist China. Yes. Uh, so He's praising communist China. Expresses, so, yeah. ex expressing solidarity. solidarity. He expressed, yes. Which was the, uh, which uh, was where it came from. These a guys Chinese biological it. weapon, which they deliberately used to attack us and kill 1.17 uh, million Americans to date. So, so we have our, our reps being influenced and basically saying, hey, let's not tell anyone. Let's keep, keep the corruption down in China, the, the, the lid on what's happening there. We're not going to talk about that because if, if we talk about that, our China allies will be unhappy. So we're going to pretend all this, all this wickedness, all this, all this brutality is not happening, that the, social, that the um, social credit system that they have going on there where isn't happening. Yeah, so so, so we're all here thinking nothing's good, no big problems, and it's because we're being brainwashed by these Chinese uh, people who are partnered with our politicians. Yeah, so I think it was, um, I want to say Peter Brooks, I think I'm getting his name wrong, but the, he uh, wrote a book name uh, called Red Handed, essentially called out Republicans and Democrats from Mitch McConnell to uh, oh, you know, yeah. Feinstein and, and uh, of course Biden being the worst, you know, uh, and even the Clintons to, to some extent, of course, during China Gate, during the Clinton presidency, you know, taking all, you know, either lobbying for China, serving as lobbyists for China, or taking bribes. I mean, essentially, I mean, Biden, you know, uh, we know from the, the uh, laptop from hell that uh, Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family took $31 million that we know of uh, from China in terms of personal profits inside the bank, their bank accounts. Um, uh, this, the U.S. Senate, the Republicans, uh, I think it was Senator Johnson, or, or I think it was Grassley that found out that, uh, you know, looked at Biden's taxes, and there's a $5.3 million that he can't account for. So he got $5.3 million, and he doesn't know where it came from. He can't explain it. 
we all know where it came from. It came from, you know, Hunter Biden uh, giving uh, Chinese communist money from the, the business, you know, profits to, uh, to his dad. So we have a president. The most scary thing of all, I think, is the knowledge that uh, the realization that we have a Manjurian president, just mm -hmm. like uh, President Trump said, you know, who's re really a, almost a paid agent of communist China to leading our country. And so every, honestly, almost everything that he's done has been in favor of, you know, has helped China and has hurt the US. Who's the biggest winner of the war in Ukraine? China, mm -hmm. you know, because all of the weapons that we have, you know, we were unilaterally disarming the US military, so we can't fight China. Giving all the, all our weapons to Ukraine to fight a war against Russia that it's impossible for them to win. Getting a lot of great, brave Ukrainians killed, hundreds of thousands, uh, you know, that could be killed. And, uh, you know, it's putting America last. It's a very, it's the very definition of America last foreign policy. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, we're hitting Trump with more indictments by the day and, and Biden's right. walk away unscathed. Well, one, yeah. of the, one of the things, and again, I'm going to, I was bringing it to Utah because I, I, we have control of our backyard. I have less control over what Biden's son's doing. But here's the problem here. Utah does not require public officials to report in detail their foreign travel uh, or personal finances. So, so what we can't tell is when all these lawmakers, we have more lawmakers here in Utah making these trips to China than any other state in the country. When they're making these trips, they don't have to report it. Yeah. It's completely... You want to talk about opening the door for corruption? Don't let them make it so they don't have to have. Why, if, if we have people who care, why not pass laws that make that require our public officials to report in detail their foreign travel, you know, especially we, when it's the communist travel, and especially when when the FBI and so many agencies, the federal government level, have said everything going on here in Utah is red flags, red flags, red flags. Yeah, we. Uh, I ran for a state senate back in 2008 in New Mexico. I, I think I would have won if I hadn't dropped out um, mid-campaign. Um, even after I dropped out, I, I, I lost by seven and a half points. But, um, you know, looking at the state laws, the campaign finance laws, um, the there's, you know, the conflict of interest laws in Utah are some of the weakest yeah. we have in the state. And that's why- And you wonder that's why, why the there's corruption, corruption comes from. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's really just, it's kind of like the honor system. You know, but if you if you uh, provide people with an incentive or or an, uh, a window to enrich themselves personally, I mean, they're not all going to be Joe Biden. But I would be surprised if Kurt Bramble and a lot of a lot of the others, you know, that have you know consulting side side businesses in China have, have essentially I mean, <laughs> they don't they, have to report it. <laughs> made lots of money off China. I mean, they won't call it a bribe, but uh, they profited handsomely. And this is why Utah's ranked one of the most corrupt states in, in the country is because no accountability. Well, Limited accountability, yeah. And I'll, I'll bring it back to the Daily Caller. There's a great quote in there. Simply put, we should know which foreign government agents, agents, including unofficial actors, are operating in our country for whatever reason. Adding that American nonprofits performing Chinese governmental duties is inconsistent with diplomatic protocol, if not illegal. So why is this okay here in Utah? On the honor code. Exactly. So... Well, we, we, need, we, need to, we need to start wrapping because uh, we're in a short time. I would like to hear your final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, really the key is we have to elect a president who's not bought and paid for by communist China. I mean, it, it sounds, it's a very simple, minimal requirement. You know, it used to be we could all agree uh, during the Cold War with the Soviet Union, um, you know, if someone was in bed with the Soviet Union, uh, they would have been impeached or removed from office, no question. Nowadays, uh, I mean, the, the half of the country just like laughs it off or blows it off like it's no big deal. Yeah, he made some money from communist China and they paid him, 
uh, so many, so much money in bribes, millions in bribes. So did Ukraine, you know. But hey, he's he's liberal. He's pro-abortion. Whatever, whatever the, the, their issue is, we have to liberate our country. You know, we talk. Biden talks about fighting a talk. You know, uh, autocracy abroad, but he's he's imported a talk autocracy in the United States. He's uh, claiming to liberate, try to liberate Ukraine from from Putin's rule, and he's importing Putin's methods into our our uh, political system and. and you know, corrupting and uh, really uh, abandoning our constitutional republic and, and destroying our freedoms. So, you know, we're, we're having a fa- uh, kind of a fascist de facto dictator who, you know, he's senile, he's gonna be 86 years old. Um, he's trying to crush his, throw, you know, throw his main political opponent in prison and uh, essentially give him a death sentence. You know, where, where Trump, obviously, if he got 10, 20 years, he would die in prison. I mean, all, you know, chances are he would. Um, and, uh, you know, he's getting away with it. And so we have to, the, the first step to liberating our country is, uh, you know, support, vote conservative Republican, vote for the Republican nominee. Uh, I personally- No, no, no I'm gonna challenge you. Okay. It's not Republican. You, you, how much corruption is in the Republican party? Mitch McConnell. I mean, let's go to the right. Bushes. It's not just Republican. You can't just vote Republican because look at Utah, we're, all, we're a red state. But look at the corruption. Well, I'm saying principally at the, at the presidential level, whether it's, uh, you know, our nominee is, uh, is Donald Trump or whether it's Vivek Ramaswamy or, or Ron DeSantis, all three of those candidates are uh, very strong against, uh, you know, corruption. They're very strong against uh, giving money to Ukraine, starting a nuclear war with Russia. I mean, they have mixed, mixed records on, you know, war with China. Um, but federally aside, but, look, at, uh, look at the state. Do we have real Republicans? even in office, whether they're running or not? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Senator Mike Lee, I think he's excellent. I mean, Mike I, I don't, great. I yes. can't tell his views on, uh, on Taiwan, but I, I would guess I, that, I would like I to would see guess him calling he, out China a little more. Yeah, I would guess, well, he, and you know, uh, one of his uh, issues has been that he's been extremely pro uh, unilateral free trade in the past. I think he's, he's changed a bit, but that's- uh, That's well, how you really I know. For Senator Lee. You wanna know how you really know if someone's bought yeah. their stance on China? Because everyone is afraid of China. Everyone's afraid to call them out because China is in everyone's pockets. And, you know, and, no, and very few people have the balls to call out China because China is, is in everybody's pocketbooks. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, th- I think I know Senator Lee well enough that he's, he's not in the least pro-China. Um, he's very pro-free tr- pro trade, you know, and free trade helps China. Right, so but, but no, that's free trade is feeding the wolf. It has. It, it, and, it's, and it's not okay not to recognize that. He's been outstanding on every other issue. I he think, has. I think I'm, I'm one, happy. But again, it's, to me, there's no records. just blank good okay. and bad. It's, it's yeah. everyone needs to be challenged on every issue. And that's an issue I would like to see Mike Lee stand stronger on is, is they stop the money train to China. I You've got to stop the money train to China. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I've, uh, I've seen him make statements that are you know, more in our favor on that issue as well. No, he's, Mike Lee has been a a shining, a, the one shining light in Utah as far as representatives. Now let's, let's keep him there. Let's keep him there. Yep. Well, we, I wouldn't say let's keep him Mike there. Lee's. I think I, I think I think we need term limits, yeah. and okay. including Mike Lee. I think in every, anyone is corruptible the longer they're in. I would like to see a, another Mike Lee step up is what I'd like to see. Yeah, someone absolutely. like Mike Lee, especially old Mike Lee. Um, grassroots. I think Trent, Trent Staggs is, uh, would be let's, an excellent. Let's get Trent. Uh, let's American Trent Staggs is, is, is moving in the right direction. Romney. I've been very happy with that. Yeah. Like, Got to get rid of Romney, uh, folks. Wait. Oh yes, baby. I have. I have a final thought. 
<clears throat> we talked a little bit about uh, Red Dawn at the beginning of the program and uh, how realistic or unrealistic Red Dawn is. And I actually feel whenever that movie starts, whether it's the first one or the second one, second one wasn't very realistic because Hollywood had to censor oh, out the part about China. That's right. China, that's yeah. right. <laughs> that's, China owns us. People don't even realize how big yeah. a problem it is. They couldn't even make Red Dawn with China as the, they had to switch it. Yes. That's right. So that I think was the most unrealistic part of it. But from a realistic standpoint, I always think when that movie starts, this could be Utah. I mean, the way we're caught off guard and it just comes in, I mean, that, that could be any day Utah. And that could be any day even if you're not in Utah. Um, but I think, you know, we've, we've raised the alarm, especially the last few years with you since the campaign. And, you know, even though it seems a little chicken little, you know, the sky is falling, there's imminent war, imminent kinetic war, imminent EMP threats. You know, I think when it goes on for so long and nothing happens, it, people step back into a place of complacency. Like, oh, you know, that's far-fetched and that, that couldn't happen. And, you know, if it's so safe here, you know, nobody locks their doors. It's fine here. It's not going to happen here. But the realistic part is what we were just saying. It's, you know, it is Red Dawn. And at any moment, that could shift. And that's not to put fear into our listeners, but rather just the awareness that our happy valley at any moment could shift. And what could prevent that is just being prepared, being aware, being informed, liking, sharing, subscribing, getting content like this out, keeping up on David's incredible content, his Substack, his great book, uh, Catastrophe Now, which they can find on Amazon. Amazon yep. And I think that's good ways we can be prepared yeah. for it. And I, I would just say one last comment. I think, uh, you know, ultimately, bad stuff's gonna happen. I mean, America, America's not gonna, gonna last forever. No empire ever has. Uh, but uh, what we can do personally is we can we can put our put our, our lives right with God. We can uh, turn back to our, our beloved Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm, this isn't a you know any particular statement in favor of any particular religion, but uh, you know in Christianity in general, uh, you know we, we uh, turn back to God, turn back to the Savior who's the God of this land, who, who helped found our country, um, and has done uh, given us so many tender mercies, um, and repent. And uh, you know God might can take care of the rest, but he, or he can expire, inspire us to do what, what is necessary to, uh, you know, in terms of personal preparation with uh, a year's food, uh, supply of food, food storage, uh, water, medicine, uh, firearms if necessary to defend our family. Well, I, uh, I really appreciate you and, and um, I appreciate everything you do. And we're blessed to have you in, in this state. Uh, we've, we have some of the greatest patriots in this state. And, Very uh, kind, thank you. And you too. maybe that's why New Mexico didn't work out. No, you we need you here. here. You're, no, yeah. no, this this state matters, and, and you're meant to be here. And it's, and I tell our listeners this: um, the way we win is is it is it is a war for the minds of men. It always has been. It has always been a war for this. And the way we win is by is by preaching the gospel of liberty, of spreading truth. Truth defeats the first. What is the first casualty in war? Is truth. That is the way we win is with truth. And so how can you make a difference? Share this. How can you make a difference? You know, talk to people about what's going on. Use your own words. Use your own tools. There's great people. There's great. Eric Mutzos does a great job. If you're not following him, follow him. Uh, defending Utah. If you're not following defending, there are some incredible people in this state. Utah Freedom Coalition. Utah Freedom Coalition. Yep. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, the, the Red Pill gals. I mean, there are so many people in this state. Uh, Utah Patriots. You have so many organizations get involved with one. Follow, not just, you don't need to just follow 
us, there's so many that you should be following it because the more voices we get pointing at the corruption in the mouth of two or three witnesses, that's where power is. And so get behind, follow these other organizations, share their, their information uh, because, you know, that's the way we win. We win with truth. And not with infighting and pointing fingers within the conservative movement by destroying ourselves. Yeah, from that's within. what they want. Yeah, that's what they want. That's the contention is what will destroy the, the, and prevent the army from forming. And also, it won't and take us down. Truth. That's right. So anyways, God bless you guys. God bless America. God bless Utah. We're going to win.